Hi, I'm Gary, and this is episode 67 of EV Musings, a podcast about renewables, electric vehicles, and things that are interesting to electric vehicle owners. On the show today, we'll be looking at those electric vehicles you can currently get that aren't cars or motorbike. We're looking this week at rideables. Before we start, I wanted to welcome a new patron to the fold. Mark Garnett has subscribed to the all-access level and as a result gets a mention on the podcast. Welcome, Mark. Thank you for your support. Our main topic of discussion today is rideables. Rideables are a whole class of electric-powered vehicles that could be used for public transportation, but which are ridden on rather than ridden in. Your typical electric vehicles will be a car with a battery underneath, motors at two or more of the wheels, and space to sit inside and carry luggage. Not so much if you're in a Renault Twizy, obviously. But outside this, there are a whole class of vehicles that are far more basic than that. They're vehicles that you can stand on to ride. They're still powered by electricity, they still have a battery and a motor, but most of them can be picked up and taken inside buildings. The whole area of EVs that are not cars or vans includes e-bikes, skateboards, scooters and one-wheelers. Collectively, they're known as PEVs, Personal Electric Vehicles. This in itself is a big area, so to help us through this, we're calling in someone you all know, and someone who has spent a lot of his time looking at the various different vehicles in this space, Simon Rowe, co-founder of the podcast, and also e-skate expert Tim Wood. Welcome, gentlemen. Let's start with some definitions. So what's an e-skate or an e-board? An e-board is just like an electric skateboard, so this can be a skateboard that you've taken like a longboard and modified yourself to be powered, or it can be an actual custom-built or factory-built electric-powered skateboard. So you've got a traditional kind of longboard with a battery pack internally or uh, underslung with a couple of motors at the back um, and then a belt or hub-driven. It's a very, very simple setup, and then it's controlled by a remote in your hand that controls the acceleration and the brake, and it's still steered like a traditional skateboard. So those those look just a little bit like magic and also a little bit dangerous at the same time. What's how would you define a one wheel? Terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> that is that is the one word uh, that that I would I would summarise. Um, but ultimately, there's one company, um, Future Motion, out of um, California, that make a product called the One Wheel, and it comes in two versions: One Wheel Pint, which is essentially a very small version, and it's essentially a plank of wood um, with one solid kind of wheel in the middle, and you balance you balance differently. It has gyroscopes rather than a skateboard where you're using your body to kind of move side to side to steer. This one is almost like a, a pivot. Imagine like standing on a, a plank of wood on a rolling pin is is mm. uh, is, is is kind of the best way of uh, describing it. Um, and then you have the one wheel XR which is their uh, kind of, I suppose, flagship brand, which is a more longer range, bigger device, bigger wheel, um, more stable and flatter wheel with the same same principles. Okay, so now we've got some definitions. How big is the actual PEV market? I, I don't have the exact figures, but I know a lot of skateboard companies over the summer have done an absolutely roaring trade. They've really, really taken off. We've seen some new companies launch. So the market is definitely growing um, and you look at the scooter market at the moment as well, which is it's just exploded. It's, it's incredible at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think obviously COVID's, you know, 
helped in some degrees in a in a kind of bad way but like like you said with with the skateboard stuff i mean i i came into it probably a year or so ago and never even heard of electric skateboards at that point but now like it seems that they're almost wildly known i don't want to say quite mainstream but certainly there's a lot of people that know about them now which seems to think that that is expanding quite rapidly you know when i was young skateboards were a thing um but they were probably they were more often the kind of thing that you would give or that would be used by anyone between about 12 and 15 because younger than that they were a little bit dangerous and older than that you kind of grew out of them so they're toys right <laughs> they're, 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 i don't know about you tim but they're they're, they're grown-up toys <laughs> <laughs> um, i'd say they're, they're they're fun but they're not toys yeah 100 percent. i mean it, it it's interesting because i mean even when i first started it was why are you riding electric skateboards they're kids stuff right and then you actually tell them how fast they go and what armor you wear to stop you falling off. More so if you get older. Um, and they soon realize that actually it's just, it's not a toy at all. And the cost associated with them isn't uh, in that toy bracket. You know, in terms of how the market is going, are e bikes the, the way to go for people who really want something to commute? Whereas you're using it because you like to go out on the you know the pleasure runs the the joy rides but you also commute as well tim yeah wow what a tough one yeah it's like if i was going to advise someone right now i would say wait until the result of the scooter trials before you buy anything um because you could be making a very bad decision but i i think you're right on the e-bikes which is something that people tend to sort of skim over when they look at pvs when they look at skateboards or um, scooters becoming more popular i really do think the e-bike is going to get a bit of a push next year for uh, for transport we're already seeing the government bringing in um it's like a cycle to work scheme and, and discounts off new bikes mm-hmm. i think that's really going to be coming yeah a lot more popular for sure with bevs cars and vans etc if you're searching for range then the holy grail is a bigger battery but these generally cost money is it the same with PEVs? Does more money equal more range? I'd, I'd say pretty much. Um, the more you pay, the more range you're getting out of it. And there are a couple of brands that are overpriced for the range you get out of them. Um, but but generally, look at the Lacroix. You you pay an extra sum of money for that double stack of battery. Same with something like a Tramper or a custom build. You, you want a bigger battery or you, you want more range, sorry, so you, you, you're going to pay a hell of a lot more for that um, that extra battery pack. Yeah, agreed. And and uh, Gary, what you were saying before in terms of around car prices, it's 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 the same principle essentially with those. The more range you uh, you want, generally, the more cost it is. It's exactly the, the, the same. Um, it's, I think on average, they're, they're kind of built to the battery cost more than anything um some some boards you know the 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 cost out of the uh what you pay most of that probably goes towards the battery to uh, some degree i think so the obvious follow-up question to that is why is range important on something you'll probably not be doing a great distance on anyway for for me and certainly some of the rides that i do the, the range is now becoming more and more important just because i want to go further i want to explore more so rather than 
go into a trail that could potentially be 20 miles long and either only having to be able to do half of it or having to stop somewhere and charge, you kind of want to just do more and, and, and be more in the moment on the ride rather than stopping and charging. Yeah, yeah. For me, for me range, I mean, it, it definitely comes into two things. One is the commute and the other is the pleasure ride. Um, I think the longest commute I've done is 16 miles on my board, which was faster than taking public transport and a hell of a lot more fun. The other one, pleasure rides, if I, like you're saying, if you scope out a nice trail, like one of these converted railway lines, that's 10 miles each way, that's that's a nice relaxing ride. So I think range is, is becoming a lot more important than it used to. The government put together a number of e-scooter trials last year, and these have been running in a couple of cities. The outcome of these was to help determine legislation for managing e-scooters. What happened to these trials? Uh, colleagues of uh, uh, Tim and myself uh, in Fees K has been talking to the government for probably well over a year and, and giving them a framework to actually work to that this could work sensibly. The result is, and I've, I've seen it firsthand in the likes of Milton Keynes, is that you walk around and there's a, you know, there's a scooter on the side in a bush, in a river, because people just don't care about them. Whereas if they're personal use ones, you protect your own piece of equipment. If we go out on boards, we're generally armoured up. We've got, uh, you've, you've seen us, we've got crash helmets and things like mm-hmm. that on. We're very conscious about who we're riding around as well. And because of that, you've already seen reports in the news of teenagers getting scooters and almost knocking down people, going through town centres, getting confiscated. Uh, Even in a little town like Kitchen, I've seen two or three, and they've been under 14, no, no helmet, flying past people with no care and consideration. And the trouble is that knock on effect of giving all PV uh, vehicles a bad name. Yeah. So, so just to kind of like um, clarify some points on this, you're right about scooter trials were supposed to be coming out next year. But something people don't really realise is the government already had this plan quite a while ago and have been working towards it and have already approached scooter companies to make something for them. Um, and we're going to roll this this idea out. Um, but like you say, COVID brought it forward and they thought it was a good idea to bring the trial, um, like you say, to the local council. Something that's been happening, the reason you're getting 14-year-olds riding around is their parents are downloading the app and putting their um, their car licence and their details into it and then giving the uh, phone back to the kids. Bad so idea. The kids can un- unlock the, uh, the scooters, which is this is how the, uh, the, the youngsters are getting around the, the driving licence. Presumably if somebody gets caught because it's tied to a parent's licence, those parents would get the points. Yeah, I, w- I would have thought... Even if the child gets the points on a license they don't have, they, these points will be held until that person gets a license and then applied mm. on that day. So day one, if you get a license at 17, you could have six points on day one. <laughs> Sorry, am I right in thinking that regardless of the outcome of the e-scooter trials, that won't affect predominantly any legislation which comes forward? that they're, they're two separate things there's e-scooters as a concept and there's the the use of e-scooters by the public in order to be able to hire them and, and leave them that's that's a completely different thing is that is that is my understanding correct there do you mean the difference between personal ownership and rentals yes at the moment personal ownership is still illegal well not illegal illegal to ride them on the roads and only scooters that you've rented that come with some insurance 
um, are legal to use in the roads and cycle lanes at the moment. So where are we with the e-scooter legislation? If something comes in that is um, into the legislation that, say, it comes under the scooter trial, but it might the result of the scooter trial might be this electric vehicle must meet XYZ specs, then that might knock out a lot of the other things. Um, they're defining the electric scooter as having two wheels in line with certain specifications. And when they build on that after the trial, that could knock out um, a one wheel or an electric unicycle because it doesn't match two wheels in line. Then do we think that the legislation like that will apply to the sale of PEVs overall or will it apply to the usage of a PEV on the public roads? So if you want to take your, you know, a one wheel up on one of the old railway tracks that you mentioned earlier, would the legislation potentially cover that? It's always going to be one of those areas where I think they're going to be okay with you riding. I know it's not technically private, but it's not on a public road or a footpath. So I don't think they're going to mm-hmm. really push any kind of penalties on people going out and having pleasure days as long as they're not being stupid. I, I think it's going to push the way people look at and buy their boards. So whereas at the moment you've got people looking at them for commutes, some people who are just looking at an electric vehicle for a commute might be forced into one direction where the rest of us who ride for the love of the ride, we're still going to be riding our boards. Okay, so other than legislation, what are the main adoption barriers for personal electric vehicles? I think I think some of it, um, certainly, certainly one wheels and um, electric unicycles. I would personally say they're they've got a steep learning curve um, in terms of learning those to begin with. So that's that's one of them. Boards, I would say, even though you know it's it's still something you have to learn and get better at. Um, I think they're easier, and obviously, electric bikes is just like getting it is literally a, a bike with you know powered uh, powered facilities to it. Um, I think the other the other side is potentially price. Um, electric unicycles, especially, I, I think are are, are reasonably costly. Um, Boards can be, but again, you can start like I did, very cheap. You know, uh, my first board was I think was about three hundred fifty pounds, um, and and they obviously just go up. The more again, it's back to the more range you want, and the mm-hmm. more faster you want, the the more price. So they're they're for me that's probably two initial uh, barriers. But the the Facebook groups and things like that will probably help with anything else. Yeah, definitely agreed. The, I mean, the only barrier for me when I started really was. The cost of the board I wanted was very expensive. I think also, yes, yeah, skill level. Definitely, if you're buying a board, take it somewhere where you can practice a hell of a lot before you uh, take it out on anywhere you could get into an accident. Yeah, especially if you're not sure. I mean, Evolve um, Skateboards in the Olympic Park in London, they they do uh, test rides, and they'll take you out in a in a group, and they'll you know they'll 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 show you what to do so if you've never ridden a board before you're not sure then you can do that and see if it's right for you and if it's not then you know you haven't you haven't wasted your money but that's a it's a good first step how would somebody how would one of my listeners who thinks i quite like the idea of that i've seen simon falling off his board i want to do that (laughs) what where would somebody go to sort of inform themselves about what's available and help make a, a purchase decision well well definitely first for me falling off 
So if you know if you want to see people fall off, then you can watch my channel and Tim's for how you actually do it properly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Rideables is it Rideables.org, isn't it? Uh, for um, the AfeesK's, um website, I believe. Yeah, so that 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 gives you a, a kind of I suppose a helping hand about what they're doing. There's obviously Carve UK that uh, Tim and myself are are members of uh, that will help anyone. Uh, who's starting out for skateboarding, one wheels, electric vehicles, really? And there's a there's a good community there for that. And there's always questions around: oh, I want to buy my first skateboard or one wheel or whatever it may be. And you know, there's loads of people that will help and try and point them in the right direction or give advice of what you want to get out of that. Yeah, de- definitely. I would I would split this up into skateboards, one wheels. Um, and every well, everything except scooters join yep. a group like Carve and say, you know, this is what I'm looking to do. This is what I want. Ask some questions in the group. If you can find a, I'd say a group ride, but obviously it's going to be a very small one because of COVID. You can turn up. You can try people's boards, look at them, ask questions. For everything, yeah, join a group, meet some people, really learn about them. For scooters, I would. Definitely 100% say do not buy a scooter right now until the results are out because there's a very good chance you're buying something that you won't be allowed to ride. Do we have a timeline on that? I I think there's going to be some stuff coming out very soon that will potentially list some of the restrictions that people are looking for. I'm not sure of the date the government have put out for the end of the scooter trials, but it won't be very long. To finish up, I asked our two gentlemen where they see the sector going. That was a big question. (laughs) Damn you. I think whatever the government does is going to split things into two groups. These are going to be what is permitted on the road and cycle tracks and what isn't. The stuff that myself and Simon ride, you're going to see a, a shift there where we're riding smaller boards that are more kind of road and grass and this is going to change to people are going to want bigger boards with more range with a lot more off-road capabilities and i think our scene one wheels as well they're going to go more off-road you're going to get a lot of people doing a lot more kind of proper days out on their board forest trailing woodland riding and things like this i think the eastgate scene is going to have a big shift over the next year and then there's going to be the sort of e-bike e-scooter this kind of bland commercial scene that is going to be um on the roads i think you're right in all honesty i think from a from a scooter point of view i hate to say it but i think it's going to be quite boring i think it's going to be very commuter based very restricted i i agree i don't think it's what everyone wants there's certainly the people that i know that ride scooters now that are quite powerful scooters and they're not like you know 50 mile an hour things they're 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 quite something um so i think that's going to change i think it's a big shame that it potentially could go the way that we we think it's going to go with eastgate and and things like that moving out of probably the suburban areas that are or they're restricted to off-road now for me personally that doesn't really matter so much to me because most of my riding is off-road just because of where i live we've had some of the most amazing rides in you know central london and and things like that it's 
just incredible to to ride the the ride that we done a little while ago through the central London at night was was just amazing. And to to know that that's probably going to be restricted or potentially taken away because of personally, I think short sightedness in that even though I and you drive electric cars, I want to see less cars on the road. You know, I, it's not a good thing. I, I if I could commute on my board safely. I, I absolutely would. I think we should be widening the roads for PEVs rather than cars, getting cars off the roads and, you know, where electric transport can be used should be. And if PEVs, for me, just make so much sense because they're, they're things that, you know, we've spoken in the past, like especially with me, I live in a flat, I own an electric car, but actually there's loads of people that don't have that choice. So why shouldn't they be able to buy an electric skateboard and commute to work or go to the shops and things like that? But it needs to be done in a controlled way. And I I kind of wish they'd looked at the legislation a lot better and a lot more granular and taken the advice from people that actually ride the things. You know, coming from from a sort of newly um, coming into the Eastgate scene, I can see that. It's so frustrating that they don't see the benefits of it uh, properly and they're making judgment calls on bad decisions and I I, I unfortunately think it's not going to have the greatest output and I think certainly Eastgates and um, EUCs, i.e. electric unicycles I think will almost be renegated to where they are now which is that that grey area between legal and not because we do sit in that, in that kind of grey area uh, Tim which is we're not legal but we're not illegal either so it's very it's a very strange place to be and yet most of the people that I know that I ride with are more safer on those than the majority of drivers and I would say even people on a Boris bike literally you can you can jump on a Boris bike in London without a helmet and still cause as much trouble and problems than an e-skater that's fully armored up and aware of his surroundings so yeah, I don't know. It's, it's a bit of an interesting next step, I think, for this. I think it's definitely the future to go that way, but it's whether we have a government that um, has got the foresight to actually allow the right people to make the right decisions. So to summarise, PEVs are a growing market for those who have reasonably short commutes and wish to do them in a fun and environmentally friendly manner. With things such as e-skates and one wheels, there's also a burgeoning community of people who use this for pleasure and not just for commuting. And links to a number of resources that can help you in that regard are in the show notes. So it's time for a cool EV or renewable thing to share with the listeners. Low transport neighbourhoods are a move to get more people out on bikes and PEVs and out of cars. During the first COVID lockdown, a number of them have been set up in various pilots around the UK. The Guardian newspaper has written an excellent article looking at the reaction to these LTNs. It's safe to say it's not all been good. Perhaps the government shot itself in the foot a little as it tried to rush something through with so little consultation. A lot of the LTNs have been scrapped. However, LTNs are one solution to the second arm of reducing carbon emissions from traffic. On the one hand, we need to get more cars to be electric and not fossil fuel. But on the other hand, we need to reduce the number of cars that are on the road. LTNs are that solution, or one of those solutions. Almost without exception, the issues that people are coming up with against LTNs basically boil down to a very simple sentence. I want to be able to take my car where I want. In 20 years' time, 
that just won't cut it. And that's the show for today. Hope you enjoyed listening to it. My thanks to Simon and to Tim for giving me their time and expertise talking about rideables. Thank you very much. If you want to contact me, please use the EV Musings Twitter account, Musings EV, or I can be emailed at evmusings at gmail.com. Also in the show notes, I will put the contact details for Simon and for Tim. If you want to support the podcast and newsletter, please consider contributing to become an EV Musings patron. The link is in the show notes. If you want a quick reference ebook to read on your Kindle, I wrote a little something called So You've Gone Electric. It's available on Amazon Worldwide for the measly sum of 99p or equivalent, and it's a great little introduction to living with an electric car. At the moment, it's free on Kindle Unlimited, or if you have the Kindle Lending Library, please check it out. Links for everything we've talked about in the podcast today are in the description. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe. It's available on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Please leave a review as it helps raise visibility and extend our reach in search engines. If you've also enjoyed the podcast, please tweet it out. Get a friend that you know. Subscribe them. It all helps. Thanks as always to my co-founder Simon. You know, he rarely buys any new brand of toilet paper without asking for a roll on approval. He likes to check out the feel, the durability, the flushability. It's a great idea. Then you can do that and see if it's right for you. And if it's not, then, you know, you haven't you haven't wasted your money. But that's a, it's a good first step. Thanks for listening. Bye.